Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. These teams don't love each other. They don't like us, we don't like them. You know how that goes. Divisional matchup, kind of too. It's going to be a physical football game. You get a feeling this is one everybody has circled on their calendars when the schedule gets released. Whenever you have two good teams, you're going to be trading blows. You made the best man win. How are the fans? Can I pass? <laughs> Winston, there he goes. Going deep. Down the field. Intercepted. I knew he was going to. I knew it. End zone. Touchdown, Kata. Goes football. It's caught. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Rashawn White. Fire the cannons. Winston is sacked. He is sacked. Winston is decked. And another sack for Tampa Bay. For the end zone. Got a receiver in the area. And Evans makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It's over the middle. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are live on YouTube today following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week three, 26 to nine victory over the New Orleans Saints. I'm so excited that I said it was week three. This is actually a week four game and the Bucs are three and one headed into the bye week. What a great feeling. The first time in franchise history. In the storied, almost 50-year history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have not beaten the New Orleans Saints three times in a row in regular season competition. Well, after sweeping them with Tom Brady in 2022, they come out with Baker Mayfield week four of 2023, and they get the job done in a hostile environment on the road and had to overcome some early mistakes, but a damn fine performance from our Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How are you feeling, Evan? Yeah, it was a pretty um a, a pretty complete game. I, I think obviously there's there's some things that we'll talk about that eh, not everything was perfect, but it's not going to be you know far it's far from perfect every game. But um yeah, I mean I thought they played both offense and defense. I thought this was probably the best game by both sides. If you want me honest, like I, I just felt like. The offense did what they had to do. There was a little bit of a lull there, which we've seen in the past few games, but like it didn't last long. They made plays when they needed to, so that mattered. Um, because you know this, the Saints got it down to one score, and the Bucks were able to respond. You know they were able, able to respond with points. So I think that was a critical moment. And then obviously, yeah, the the defense being able to hold the Saints out of the end zone, um, what was really impressive as well. Yeah, and and honestly. A lot of surprises in the game today. Let's talk about the first one that we heard about this morning. The Saints had the option to take a busted up Derek Carr as their starting quarterback today or a fully healthy Jameis Winston, and they chose Derek Carr. And I got to say, I don't know what the Saints game plan was coming into this game, but I can tell you first and foremost, it didn't seem like there was an ample effort for from from them to drive the ball down the field. I, I thought the Bucks defense did a pretty good job of just shutting them down. I, I mean, for the first time in almost 10 years, I was watching this game, and I cannot remember the last time I have seen the Bucks out-mental New Orleans, mentally demoralize the Saints. I mean, the level of effort from some of those players being highlighted in the second half for New Orleans was not good for them, but for the Bucks, I mean, that's a victory in more ways than one when when not only can you go out there and win the game in dominant fashion, but you can just completely shut down a team in their home stadium. I mean, the Saints were being booed off of the field by their own fans at halftime. Yeah, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, obviously yeah, we were wrong on our predictions. I will say, like, and I even said this to you before, like, before we got on here, like, 
if I had known that it was going to be Derek Carr, I honestly probably would have picked the Bucks to win. Uh, I just didn't think Carr was in sort of any shape to play. And when it was announced on Sunday morning, they're like, yeah, he's going to start. I was like, oh, I think the Bucks are probably going to win just because I didn't know, like, what type of offense was New Orleans going to have? And, like, how would that limit it? And, like, yeah, Carr, like, his shoulder wasn't completely busted. I mean, he threw a couple of deep balls, but you could tell it was limited. Like, there was a limited offense. There was a few balls that he skipped, and, like, I just – I think it hurt New Orleans. So, a questionable decision by New Orleans, but regardless, you know, that's their choice, and the Buccaneers had to deal with it either way. They, they could have, they, you know, sat, sat back and ended up losing this game, you know, but they, they – took it to him and what was the pressure there all the time no you would have liked to see a little bit more pressure against an offensive line that's struggling but they made the plays when it counted they got off the field on third down and they, they got a few turnovers there too yeah and we did get a uh, a quick appearance by Jameis, one of one himself one pass attempt one interception and uh, that was all she wrote for new orleans so let's get into this game and let's talk about the buccaneers on offense today what they were able to do well Moving the football is one of them. 353 total yards for the Bucks. 239 of those through the air, 114 rushing yards. Let's talk about the run game. And let's highlight the running backs. Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn, the two who got the majority of the carries. But believe it or not, there is someone who finished with more yards on the ground than Keyshawn Vaughn. That was the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who had 31 yards on eight carries. So Rashad White, 56 yards on 15 carries, 3.7 yards a tote. Baker Mayfield, 31 yards on eight carries, averaging 3.9. And Keyshawn Vaughn, your boy Sneak, on nine carries, gave us 16 yards, 1.8 yards per carry. Devin Tompkins also had a first down and 11 yards on an end around, which counts as a rush attempt. So, I will say, I think Dave Canales, we do have to give him some credit for how creative he he got with the offense this week. You know, this is... What I saw today, the changes that were made, even in the first half, the way that this offense looked, changes were made. Adjustments were made after a pretty horrid play-calling venture last week on Monday night. Dave Canales went back in the lab, and, and he drew some things up this week. And while I don't think the run game is quite at the level where we still want it to be, and I know people are going to give us hell for saying that, uh, I, the run game still doesn't feel like it's where we want it to be, right? Because the Bucks don't have 100-plus yards on the ground today without Baker Mayfield tucking and running as much as he does. But I will say, there were times where it felt like the run game helped dictate this game for Tampa Bay, helped them control the clock, and you got a couple of crucial first downs. I mean, through the first three games of the season for the Bucks, they only had three runs on the ground. I'm sorry, four runs on the ground for 10 plus yards in the first half of today's game, they had three of those. So while there were areas, I think the run game was improved play calling being one of them. While it wasn't awesome, it definitely was enough to help them win the game. But what were your thoughts on uh, Rashad white's performance today? Yeah, I I thought just like you said, I I think you sort of said it best. Um, Was it great? No. Was it even good? I, I don't know, but was it enough? Yeah. And like, Right now, with how you've seen this run game this season, I think you take that. And it was much, much improved uh, from last week. Obviously, I know it's a different defensive line they're going up against, but um, the Saints, I, you know, we, they still do have a solid defense. Like, that's how they win a lot of their games. Like, that streak or whatever that the Bucks end up snapping uh, of 11 straight games holding opponents under 20 points, that doesn't happen by accident. You know, you don't hold opponents 11 straight games under 20 points by not being a solid defense. So, uh, it was an incredible 
encouraging sign. Now, I mean, some of the numbers are a little bit skewed. The Bucks towards the end, we're trying to run out some clock. You, know, you run it in some obvious situations. The Saints are going to stop that. But uh, yeah, like I said, I was pretty encouraged. We'll see. Hopefully, they're going to be able to, you know, use the bye week to regroup and, and figure some more things out. And hopefully, the run game can get going because it just helps the offense so much. What did you think of the play calling this week? You know, I already talked about Dave Canales going back to the drawing board and, and trying to bring in some new wrinkles to this offense. And and he surely did that. I mean, there was some stuff today that we saw. We saw Chris Godwin drop back and throw a pass. You know, <laughs> like there were a couple of things that yeah. we simply have not seen before. Like, I, I'm not easily impressed as far as creativity on offense. Like Devin Tompkins on a, on a jet sweep. We've seen that before, right? Like we've seen a couple of guys over the years over these last few years in Tampa Bay get, you know, some carries on a jet sweep, but we saw some pop passes. Again, we saw Chris Godwin go back for a throw. There was some trickery up their sleeve, and I definitely think it caught New Orleans reeling early in that game. And again, that's another reason why it felt like by halftime, the Bucs had all the momentum in their favor, even though it was barely a two-score game. Yeah, it was it was interesting some of the plays, especially the, the the Chris Godwin one. I mean, that one, you know, we we've seen pop passes and stuff and end arounds from time to time, but I I've never seen that one before, especially with Chris Godwin. Uh, you yeah. never never always seen that type of of thing and um yeah, I mean, they have obviously it didn't work, but like it's fun to try, you know, and it, it's something different. So, yeah, they definitely brought out all, all the stops this week. Uh, th- there was there was a on more than one occasion, and you know, you always want to be careful when you put that stuff on film. Like now, it's on film. So, like now, defenses, you know, defensive coordinators are going to be able to watch that and see, recognize. Okay, when they're in this formation, they like to do this. So you got to pick and choose your spots of when you do those things, which is why you don't see NFL teams doing it constantly because it's meant to catch, just like you said, to catch a defense off guard and I think it did that to New Orleans I, even though like the, the Godwin throw didn't work or anything but um, there was a few like the pop passes were eh but like the end around of Devin Tompkins like you said gained 11 yards um, there was a few other plays that I thought were, were pretty good and um, yeah the, the creativity I thought was much better this week uh, there was a, a few uh, de- like probably I would say decisions in the first half uh, particularly uh, on the, the third and one early in the game when they didn't get it on the third and one there. I, I thought actually Keyshawn Vaughn, I, it looked like he did get it, but I guess he didn't. Uh, it was interesting to me that they decided to give Vaughn uh, some carries that I do wonder if they sort of, uh, you know, maybe I'm not like, I don't really want to speculate, but maybe like, they're sort of out a little bit on Sean, Sean Tucker. Like they're down on him a little bit because like they didn't use Sean Tucker at all. Like it was, it was Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad white. So, um, yeah, I thought it was much more creative, and uh, I'm curious to see how just you know how many more times you can do that because you can only do it so many times. So it was it was fun to see some tricks up their sleeve, though. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the run game coming up on opportune moments for Tampa Bay today. While anything in the box score isn't going to blow you away, Rashad White 3.7 yards per carry, Keyshawn Vaughn 1.8 yards per carry. Your two feature backs for today. I do think the offensive line did a better job of opening up some of those run lanes. You know, some of the miscues that we saw from Rashad White. Kind of the same things that we have seen, you know, that 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 being too patient behind the line of scrimmage, not just hitting the hole and running downhill. You know, we saw Keyshawn Vaughn come into the game and do that a few times to affect for Tampa Bay. So shout out to the offensive line. Uh, as far as Baker Mayfield today, he played a good game as well. 25 for 32, 246 yards through the air, three touchdowns. And of course, that one interception at the end of the first half there. 
So could have been a costly turnover, but luckily the Bucks defense comes up big and uh, they can kind of wipe that one off of the board and pretend it didn't happen because it ends up in seven points for the Buccaneers. Let's talk about your leading receivers for the day. Chris Godwin, eight receptions, 114 yards. It's crazy that we talked about on the game preview show, you know, Mike Evans has proven to be the motor for this Bucks offense so far. Like, a lot of their big plays, a lot of their success that they've had early on in the season has come from Mike Evans just being available and making plays. But he goes down in this game. Three targets, three catches, 40 yards for Big Mike against Marshawn Lattimore. He tried his best to go out there, came out early after halftime, tried to warm up on the sidelines, and the Bucks end up ruling him out. So here we are begging the question, what does this Bucks offense look like without Mike Evans on the field? And, and this isn't, you know, this New Orleans Saints defense is no pushover. They are pretty damn good. Like, it's the same core that we have talked about for years on end now and how they've consistently given the Bucks issues, especially under head coach Dennis Allen. They had no answer for Chris Godwin out there today. He played like a man possessed. Devin Tompkins had four catches, 45 yards, and that incredible Superman catch in the end zone for a touchdown late in the game. Chris Godwin, despite 114 yards, could not find the end zone. But that's all right. Kate Otten found the end zone on a shovel pass from Baker Mayfield early in the game. And big play Trey. Trey Palmer, two catches, six yards. One of those coming down for six points. So this pass game without Mike Evans, their effectiveness against a good defense and honestly, some pretty good decision making from Baker Mayfield down the stretch. I thought realistically, this is probably the best this passing offense has looked all season. Is it a coincidence that you just said that and it just so happens to be Chris Godwin's best game all year? Like, you know, like we talked about that on the preview show. We talked about that uh, after last week's game. Like, I just I felt like getting Godwin going was a key to unlocking this offense. And they did that. And obviously he needed to do that, especially with Mike Evans out. Like Chris Godwin become became the number one option there. And he needed to step up with Mike Evans out for an entire half. It wasn't just like he was out for a little bit of the game out for the entire half of football. So, uh, yeah, Godwin stepped up big time. And like I said, it was much, much needed at a, a much needed time for the Bucks because if you know if Godwin was sort of doing what he was doing the, the first few weeks and uh, the, his usage and everything was like similar to how it was the first three games I don't know if the Buccaneers win this game I just don't know if they have enough offense but Godwin was exactly exactly what the Bucks needed for him uh, for, from him on, on Sunday and um, yeah really encouraging to see and hopefully it's the start of things to come for, for Chris Godwin because it's that was like the Godwin that you're used to seeing right like it's like maybe not every time getting over a hundred yards and this and that, but like the, the big time catch right over, over the, the, that one defender. Um, then he had the 32 yard catch. Like, you know, you've seen that from time to time with Chris Godwin and that's what Bucks fans are used to seeing. So it was nice to, to finally get that uh, for the first time this season. Yeah. And uh, just a quick update on wide receiver, Mike Evans, according to Bucks head coach, Todd Bowles, he does not have an update for the time being, other than that, Mike tweaked his hamstring. And we know that hamstring injuries have been kind of an issue with Mike Evans in the past. So obviously we hope with the bye week coming up, he does get that extra little bit of rest and he'll be ready to go for week six against the Detroit Lions. Buck's going to be back at home for that game. But 
Man, oh man, three and one headed into the bye week is definitely not where you or I had this team. I don't think it's where the national media had this team. And I know well, the we, we, we actually had both had them, I believe, the exact opposite. I yeah, believe we, we yeah. both had them if, one and three. <laughs> if anybody is one and three at this point in the season, it is you and I picking this yes. Bucks team so far this season. So listen, I, I will take that every single day of the week. If I pick the Bucks to go 0 and 16 and they go 16 and 0, I'm not going to be upset in the slightest. Like I, 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 you know, it does not bother me. I am okay being wrong about my prediction for the Bucks. It that's a okay. A win is a win, and three and one is a damn good spot to be in. Now, before we talk about the defense, who I think were potentially the bigger heroes today, Antoine Winfield Jr. playing out of his mind. Uh, we'll talk. Hold on. Let let let's not let's not yeah jump yeah, into yeah. that prematurely here. But you know, penalties. Definitely were an issue. Uh, I thought there were there were way more penalties in this game than the Bucks were probably comfortable with. Todd Bowles even said it himself. There was way too much penalties going on, uh, and it's something that you're going to have to clean up. Now, I, it's not very professional to blame the officials, so I'm not going to, but I do not think it is a coincidence that Sean Hockley officiated this game and the Bucks play one of their sloppiest games of the year. I, I thought some of those calls in the first half and the first quarter uh, we're pretty tic-tac, um, you know, but that was indicative of the kind of game it was going to be. But I also think, you know, those penalties coming on early in the game, the way that they did, I thought it was pretty impressive for Tampa Bay to just overcome that and continue to play. Like, you know, this, this kind of looked like early on the Saints were the first team on the board. And it, it looked like early on that this was potentially going to be a game where the Bucks had to kind of beat themselves and you didn't want it you didn't want it to start snowballing, right? You got those first few penalties, you get set back, and you're like, all right, let's just hope they can stay composed. No fights, right? Let's hope there's no fights. Yeah. Nobody gets thrown out or ejected from the game. Uh, and you didn't see any of that. And and kind of like what I said at the beginning of the show, you ultimately saw the Bucks win the mental battle against New Orleans. And I cannot tell you the last time that has happened. I don't think that has ever happened in the history of this podcast and like we said last week, we've been doing this for seven years. Yeah, I mean, the only other time you could say is probably the playoff game, right? Like, I, I think that's the the only other time where, like, you felt like the Bucks had that mentality. Like, yeah, they're just better, you know. And, um, yeah, it's because the, the scary thing is about the penalties early is that that's been the thing with New Orleans for the Buccaneers, right? It's whatever can go wrong against New Orleans will go wrong for the Bucs. No matter what team they have, no matter who's on their roster, no matter where the game's played, doesn't matter, right? And um, it was nice to see them sort of not let the penalties kill them. There were, now, there was a few calls I didn't agree with. Uh, I believe Eddie Nash in the, in the chat mentions the holding call on Izzy and didn't think it was a hold. And there's always going to be calls, though, right? There's always going to be calls that you agree with, don't agree with. So I'm not going to harp on it too much. But, yeah, you got to get them cleaned up. I mean – Against the against the better team, just like we were talking about with the Bears and the Vikings and well, you know, all these other teams against the better team, like that amount of penalties is gonna really, really hurt you. You know, and it hurt you a little bit today, but it didn't come back to burn you in the end. Uh, against a team like Buffalo, it could hurt you. Against a team like Detroit, like I think you know, Detroit's a better team than New Orleans. Like you, know, you, you can't do that again. So it, it's definitely something I think's probably gonna be a, a pretty big talking point uh in the bye week to just clean up those penalties. What a sentence. Detroit is better than New Orleans this year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that take. Um, but I, I am with you. I am very happy with the win today because we talked about how 
you know, the level of competition between the teams that the Bucks have beat and the teams that they have lost to this year being the Eagles. You know, the Eagles are the cream of the crop. They are the benchmark for the NFC and what a lot of these teams want to do on both sides of the ball. In the trenches, with the offensive firepower, their defense is playing well. Even though they're they're playing overtime against Washington right now, which may be the outlier game of their season, they're still one of the best teams in the NFC. New Orleans... I had higher expectations for them. I still do. I still think they're going to be a team that's going to give the Bucs problems down the stretch as far as competing for the NFC South because while the Bucs do hang on to first place, it's going to come up again here in a few weeks with a uh, divisional game against the Falcons. So with that being said, you know, the Saints are a good team. The Saints are head and shoulders better than the Bears. They're better than the Vikings. I'm mm, confident. I'm, yeah, it's close. Yeah, it's I'm close. confident in saying that the Saints are better than both of those teams. I am. Saints, Saints defense is better than the Vikings defense. Vikings offense better than the Saints offense. Sure. I mean, with a busted up Derek Carr, I think there's a lot of offenses that are more capable than than what New Orleans. I think even with a healthy Derek Carr, like they weren't that good through the first three weeks of the season. Like yeah. they, they weren't that good even before Carr went down. Like it wasn't like they were firing on all cylinders, you know, so like they've struggled on offense. And there's a reason like they've held they held 11 straight opponents to under 20 points. All right. Why did they not win more games then? Because their offense isn't good enough like that's a reason why so um yeah it, it was it was definitely nice though uh to to see like i said just a, a full a full effort by both sides of the ball and like yeah new orleans and especially you're going into new orleans like that's not an easy game like that is not an easy game to play on a short week as well yeah. play on monday night going into new orleans on sunday uh that is not an easy game to go in there and win and, and not only win but really like not just win by two points, you won by a wide margin. Friendly reminder, phones are on today, 305-224-1968, the number to call. The meeting ID on your screen for this week, 824-0062-2096. Give us a call. Let's talk some bucks. But in the meantime, let's talk about the other side of the football and highlight some players who were definitely firing on all cylinders today. Antoine Winfield Jr. staking his claim as the best safety in the NFL. I don't want to hear otherwise because over the first three, four weeks of football, (laughs) there has not been a safety better. There just hasn't been. You show me the film. You name someone who's been better than Antoine Winfield Jr. No, I mean, the the safety position over the first four weeks of football. I just, I, I, I do not see it. That's, that's a different sentence. Antoine Winfield playing the best. Okay. Antoine Winfield, the best. Those are two different things. Let's see what our first caller of the day thinks. Uh, We got someone joining us from the 813 on the Cannon Fire podcast. What's your name? Jeremy. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Jeremy, Jeremy, what's up, dude? How you feeling? Doing great, man. 3-1. We just smacked our division rival. I love it, man. Like yeah. I said, where's Peter King at with his little prediction winning two or three games? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the Bucks going the Bucks headed into the bye week three and one is is quite the statement considering, you know, the loss against the Eagles, we talked about it. Nobody's gonna give them too much slack for that. But you know, I, I think beating New Orleans, especially beating New Orleans the way that they did, like they didn't squeak by. They controlled the entire game, basically three and a half quarters. They had the lead and, and did not give it back. So what are your thoughts on this Bucks team headed into the bye week? Gives our guys time to rest, you know, gives Mike time to rest his hamstring, gives time for these other injured players that have been hurt, like Jamel Dean, Kalaza Cansey. And that's the scary part. I mean, K 
Canty has not played all year. Wait till we get a healthy collage of Canty with that pass rush, which makes me even more excited. I mean, props to the defense, getting up to Derek Carr, shutting down the run. I mean, only surrendering three field goals and no touchdowns today. I mean, hats off to Todd Bowles in the defense. I got to give them a lot of credit. They really surprised me a lot today. Like, I had a feeling we were going to win, but the way they did it, they played like a football team. Baker looked great. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to go to the Super Bowl here, but we sure as hell damn got a good shot at making the playoffs and maybe made some one of a run. I mean, this defense is so underrated in so many ways. And when you lose to a team like Philly, hey, NFC champions for a reason. Like I said, at the end of the day, we're only in week four, fellas. But, hey, 3-1 for the bye. Hey, I, I like it. You know, I was just talking about how 3-1 and one headed into the bye week feels like a statement. It feels like they're playing ahead of schedule. Like, like obviously, there's some things that still need to be ironed out. But for where I was expecting this team to be four weeks into the season, with a new quarterback, new offensive system, rookie play caller, we knew this defense was going to be good. And we knew they were going to help the Bucks win some games. But just the progress that we have seen, even on the offensive side of the ball, from week one, week two, week three, they took their lumps. And this week was the first week we got to see Dave Canales learned from his mistakes and he did that I, I think he went out there he did that and he showed us that he is a coordinator who can adjust week to week in the NFL because that's what the best coordinators have to do you have to learn from your mistakes and you got to clean it up and uh, I'm glad that he put them in a really good position to win Jeremy any last thoughts before we let you go my friend and that's another thing you mentioned about Dave Canales I mean the dude's creative I mean I saw plays today I haven't seen other butts in forever I mean you know, the guy one play kind of scared me. You know, if you would have had a bit more accurate arm, I think that play would have worked. But, you know, like you said, Canales adjusted and he performed really, really well. I feel like, you know, Canales will get better and better as the season goes on. And, hey, division leaders, man, go Bucks! You got to love it. Go Bucks! Thank you for calling in, Jeremy. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Take care, buddy. So three and one record for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed into the bye week. Jeremy, our first caller of the show. Friendly reminder, calls, phones are on 305-224-1968. We'll be taking your calls for the rest of the show. Evan, what are your thoughts? You know, before we deep dive into the defense here, what are your thoughts on, I guess, just where we are right now? You know, the, the Bucs potentially playing ahead of schedule. Do you feel like this is a team that, can continue to improve from this point forward. Do you think they are a team that, you know, week six, we both picked them to lose to the Lions. I don't know if that prediction is going to change once we make it on the game preview show next week, but are they a team that maybe has you feeling better about their chances, you know, against a team like the Lions after the bye? Um, I mean, it's still going to be tough. I mean, that's that's going to depend a lot on health, right? Like, is Mike Evans healthy? Is Jamel Dean healthy? Like, it's going to be tough, but like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Like, are the Buccaneers going to win? I don't know. It's it's two weeks away, you know, like it's it's not even next week. So uh, that's tough to say. One thing I did want to say about Antoine Winfield, though, is I, I do think – now, I don't think he's the best safety in the NFL. Uh, I still think that's probably Mika Fitzpatrick at this point. But I will say, I think this was Antoine Winfield. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's, he's better. Dude. What he's was better. the final score? I'm sorry. What was the final score of the game today between the Houston what, Texans? What does that matter? What was the, the final Texans score? The Texans just beat game? the Jaguars. The Texans are like 3-1 and one or whatever. I don't want to hear it. What does that matter? I don't want to hear it. I I will respectfully disagree with that take. Okay. 
that, that that's fine. Now I will say, like I I think this was Anton Winfield. In my opinion, this was his best game of his career. Yeah. Um, I I thought he was just fantastic in in all aspects of the game. I thought he was just really really good. And um, yeah, I, and and you know with, with being shorthanded in the secondary, they needed him. And not only that, Ryan Neal goes out with a concussion it, like very quickly in the game. So they needed a guy in that secondary to step up and Winfield, especially on that that deep ball, um just fantastic. Uh fantastic coverage uh by Anton Winfield there. Um I mean, couldn't have played it any better. Literally, could not have played that deep ball any better. That's a touchdown, and he's uh, able to get a he's able to get a, a you know arm in there. So uh, great coverage. I thought he was just fantastic too. We got our next caller on the show from the five six two. What's your name? Where are you calling in from? Hey, what's going on, fellas? This is uh, John here, known as uh, Buckwild. John, what's, what's up? Uh, what's going on, fellas? I'm out here in Hawaii, man. I couldn't watch the game, but. Uh, hey. I was on uh, Mr. Buck's Nation. You know how it is as uh, the squad mod, the mod squad. So holding it down. But I appreciate you guys, man, everything that you guys do. Today, man, I was like, I woke up late, but then saw that we were like, what, uh, 14-3. Man, everything, (laughs) the sun rose like real quick. But I was really excited how everything was going as far as like just listening in. But wasn't too quite sure how our offense went in the first half. Like I know Mike Evan was out for some reason, and I was hoping that he stayed in and just dominate and just put in some extra yardage and stuff. But if he's hurt, it's a good thing that, you know, our guys are banged up right at the moment that they're going into bye week. And I love it, you know. So I just appreciate you guys, man. Fire the cannons. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling in, buddy. We appreciate you as well. Shout out to the Mod Squad, Bucks Nation, Willie yeah. Beeman, G Vegas, some of you other guys holding it down. We appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, he, he, he's over there in, in Hawaii, man, repping. Any final thoughts before we let you go, my friend? Hawaii, man. No, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, man, go Bucks, three and one. I'm just looking at for this season just to win the division. That's all. That's all I'm hoping for. Win the division. That's it. I like it. I like it for the Bucks. Feeling pretty good at three and one right now. One and zero in the division with a firm hold on first place in the NFC South. Thank you again, Bucks Nation. We'll talk to you soon, pal. Well, bye. See you guys later. Yeah, the, you know the one. The one thing I will say about the defense um, that I think needs to be improved is there still was a lack of four man pass rush today, um, and even sometimes when they blitz, like. These guys just they're not winning their one-on-one battles. And like the worry, excuse me, the worry is that the Saints coming into this game, you know, talking about that 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 Q&A uh that I did on Bucks Nation with the the Saints guy from their the SB Nation site, and he said like the offensive line was a real weakness for the Saints this year. Normally it's been a strength and it wasn't really that big of a weakness today. I mean, uh the Bucks did not get a lot of pressure. Now there was some times when Derek Carr got the ball too quick or Taysom Hill got the ball quick or whatever, but uh, there was just times where Carr sat back there and just had all day and against better offenses, that's not going to fly. Like these guys, Shaq Barrett and Vita Vea, you know, he's playing, you know, with that peck, he's not 100% healthy, but Shaq Barrett, Joe Trishwinka, Anthony Nelson, like these guys are going to have to start winning these one on one battles when they get them. Yeah, it, there were a few times today where I was just shouting in my TV that he had far too much time. And while the Bucks did come up with three sacks today, 
it felt like all three of them were kind of coverage sacks, you know, just taking way too long in the pocket. Nothing downfield kind of has to fall down with it, and it is a sack for Tampa Bay. But I will agree, you know, the turnover late in the game obviously was a huge turning point, and the fumble recovery deep in enemy territory at the end of the first half was another huge turning point. But you take away the Jameis, uh, Jameis Winston interception at the end of the game, it didn't feel like there were any pressures on the quarterback being Derek Carr that made a significant difference in this game. You know, all of those sacks, I think one of them was on third down, so it got him off of the field, but none of them felt like it was a huge moment in this game to look at as a turning point. Now, as far as the time of possession goes as well, uh, there wasn't that big of a discrepancy. The Bucs did win the time of possession battle, but 31 minutes and 11 seconds to New Orleans, 28 minutes and 49 seconds. Both teams had a pretty equal shot at this thing. I mean, you take away the possession the Bucks had at the end of the game, you know, both teams pretty much have the ball for around 30 minutes. So for what the Bucks were able to do, the way that they controlled the game, it can't say that they controlled the clock like they did in the first two games of the season, but when they had the ball, they did a pretty good job of hanging on to it, moving the ball downfield. And, uh, I, you know, I, again, I think this was probably their best game on offense so far up until this point of the season. But let's talk a little bit more about some of these players on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about Antoine Winfield Jr., the uh, the best safety in the NFL, playing one of his best career games today. Christian Izian, also second on the team in tackles, four tackles, two assists, no turnovers for him. But I think Christian Izian, especially with Jamel Dean being out and then Ryan Neal going out early in this game, Christian Izian is, has been a bright spot for the Bucs so far as an undrafted free agent, a guy that, you know, nobody thought was good enough to draft. Todd Bowles said he was shocked that he was still available. I think Christian Izian has been one of the best undrafted free agents on the team so far. Like he he's 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say one of uh, I would say he's probably the best, like far and away the best uh, undrafted free agent that they've had on the team. Just, yeah, a, a solid player, like, you know, just a, a really solid player. And um, yeah, it, it was a good find by Jason Light. Like it's that's what you need. You know, when, when you're trying to fill holes and don't have a lot of money to do it you're going to need some of these guys to step up. And the nickel spot was a real, real question mark for this team, like a serious question mark. And right now, Christian Izian is providing all the right answers. So, uh, yeah, he's been he's been pretty good for them. I mean, already two interceptions, um, you know, and he's a, pr- a pretty short tackler. Uh, there is sometimes he'll miss a tackle, but a lot of the times, like he's a pretty solid tackler. Which, if, if you know, especially if corners went in run support, that's very important. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been a really good player for them, and hopefully, you know, he keeps it up for the rest of the year. Speaking of run support, today the Bucks had not their toughest test on the ground so far, but it definitely seemed like the game plan for New Orleans was definitely run heavy. Uh, Thirty-seven pass attempts for Derek Carr, which is actually kind of insane when you think about it. He goes 23 for 37, only 127 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Taysom Hill threw one pass for 13 yards. That was a first down completion of Michael Thomas. And then Jameis Winston, one pass attempt, one interception. Uh, that, I, I, I will say that the, the people that were like, 
you know, when, when I said earlier, like when I saw Carr was in, I thought they had a better shot to win. Like, and everybody's like, oh, Winston only had one pass and one reception. You realize the situation that that game's in at that point? Like, that's not an indicator on how that game would have gone. And me and you both sat here on the preview show and said countless times, we are operating under the assumption that Jameis Winston is the starter. Because we didn't think Derek Carr was going to play. He didn't practice really at all that, that week. And, like, we didn't think he was going to play. And we both picked him to lose. Like, you know, it's it, it's okay, but like I just I don't know to, to bring up that point. Oh, he threw one pass, one pick. It's a completely different situation. Hello, who's this? You're on the Can Fire podcast. Hey, how you guys doing? This is Corey from Nashville. Corey, what's up, man? How you feeling? But uh, I don't know how I feel. Like that was. Hey, wait, is this PT or can I curse on her? No, you can cuss. Go ahead. That was so fucking dominant. Like I don't even, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to it, guys. Like we were so dominant. We looked so. And this is so. I've been a Bucks fan. This is my twenty first. Was it two thousand twenty three? This is my twenty second season, right? And I seen a culture change in us once we got Brady, where we went all, out to the field these last three seasons, and we expected to win certain games. Now that Brady is gone, that mentality has permeated this locker room. And I've been trying to explain to people, get fucking Caleb Williams out of my Buccaneers jersey. We're not going to suck hard enough at all to get Caleb Williams. Guys, our core players are winners. Tristan Wirfs is a winner. Antoine Winfield Jr., winner. Devin White had one bad season, losing season as a team his rookie year, came back, Super Bowl. Jamel Dean, Super Bowl. Our core, Vita Vea, our core good young players only know the Buccaneers as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, NFC South dominant team, and a Super Bowl champion team. You guys, like, I'm trying to explain it to people and they're not understanding. Yes, I've been a fan for 20 plus years, so I've been around for the Buccaneers, for the young Greek Buccaneers. I've been around for all that BS, for the disciplined high school football, disciplined Shiano, I don't know what that fiasco was, Buccaneers. I've been around for that, but guys, this is not that anymore. This is a team that expects to win when they take the field. And today, to me, show and 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 I wasn't a big Baker. I'm sorry, I'm on his diet drop, but I was a um, a big Baker fan for obvious reasons, like 95 percent of the NFL. But once they say he got the job, I've been all in on Baker, all in. And my tweets back that up, and I was like, you know what, man. This locker room is not going to allow Baker to be the Baker that we know. It's just not. Mike Evans goes down early, and Chris Godwin, who everybody knows in the NFL as a as a one B receiver, had to play one A, and he was fucking dominant. That's the word. He was dominant as a one as as the number one today. I'm so happy with this team. I said I would take a hundred Eagles losses on Monday Night Football if I got one dominant Saints win. And the, and the Buccaneers proved to me why I've been a fan for 22 years. There was a lot of mental toughness behind the win today for Tampa Bay. And I do think that's a great point that you brought up. Because when we talk about the Bucs versus Saints in recent years, you know, last year the Bucs got the upper hand. They swept New Orleans. And I think that did the job. Like, I think that got the Saints out of this Bucks team's head. Because for the longest time, we talked about this matchup. And we not only talked about the players on the field, but we talked about the mental implications and how for the longest time, the Saints were that one team, the one team on the schedule who could get into the head yep. of pretty much the entire roster. And if the Bucks were down early in the first quarter, 
it didn't feel like they were going to come back and win this game, but they had to overcome a lot today. I mean, not only did they have to go on the road into a hostile environment, NFC South game, division implications on the line, but that first touchdown to Kate Otten, they tried to take out Baker Mayfield. Nobody can tell me anything differently. Cam, Juden, uh, Cam Jordan knew what the hell he was doing when he rolled him up, and then that no-name defensive lineman who had to come in with a late hit against Baker, they knew what the hell they were doing. The Bucks came back. Baker didn't leave the game. Fucking goes out and throws two more touchdowns. Mike Evans leaving the game early. You talked about Chris Godwin having to be the guy, having to step up. Chris Godwin has been that guy for the Bucks before. But I don't think he's been in that situation against New Orleans. And he went out there and he dominated them today, just like he has in any other game he plays against the Saints. I thought there was a lot of mental toughness shown on this Buccaneers team today. And like you said, that's a mentality thing. I think between sweeping New Orleans last year and just having a a locker room culture filled with winners, like that goes a long way. And I like that you brought that up because I definitely think that was a factor in today's game. I'm 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 very going into the bye week being three and one, and granted, no, it's not moral victories or anything like that. But guys, and I said this after we lost to the Eagles. Like, if you guys if we watched that game, man, that's a defending NFC champion. And for the most part of that game, guys, we went toe to toe with that team. Now injuries happened. We came into that game banged up, and I think they took a toll. They obviously took a toll. That's a pick six for Devin White. Let's be honest. That's a pick six, and. Um, but we went toe-to-toe with that team. We made the Eagles sweat. I know what the final score was. We all know what the final score was. But we made that team sweat. And I think we proved that, hey, we are, we can we can play in December and January. And I think today was the ice cream on the cake or the whipping on the I don't care. I don't even know what it is. But, guys, I'm, I'm so enamored by how we won today. Like you said, I'm not used to having a mental tough, mentally tough Buccaneers team. And a lot of that, and I hate it because I love James. I cannot believe he came in and threw that pick. That was, was, was a guy who tweeted. He said, "He said James came in and said, F for the Buccaneer down there somewhere.'" <laughs> I, you know, my my favorite thing to hear from that was Chris Myers. Shout out to our guy Chris Myers, by the way. I'm glad he got to call the game today because he is a Tampa guy. He is a Bucks fan. But the friend first of the show. thing, friend of the, the first thing out of his mouth. After Jameis threw that pick, was well, Bucks fans have seen this before. <laughs> that was the best. Hey, that was dude. A great My God, awesome. <laughs> Corey, Corey thank you so much for calling in, dude. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You got me ready to run through a brick wall right now. Man, I'm, I'm about to. My son went in the car. I would have already went through one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll drive safe, buddy. Day, Go guys. Bucks. Yes, sir. That was awesome. Best call of the day. And, you know, he, he really, I think he hit the nail on the head when he said the difference, right, uh, of pre-Brady versus post-Brady is that expectation to win, right? You go into every game with the expectation that you're going to win. Are you going to win every game? No, you're not. But, like, there's a mentality there, right? There's a mentality that's got to be built in basically by winning football games. And, like, he's 100% right. The guys that were drafted here, like the core – the, the Devin White, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Tristan Wirfs, Anton Winfield Jr. Anton Winfield Jr. and Tristan Wirfs have not missed the playoffs in their careers. They, they haven't missed the playoffs. They don't know what's that. What, they don't know what that's like to clean out your locker in the, in the first week of January and be done. 
right? They they have no idea what it's like to have, you know, oh, is the coach going to get fired? Is the GM going to get fired? They have no idea what that's like. And that's because the team has put this culture in and they're homegrown guys, right? They had the important veterans there that you need, right, to supplement your homegrown guys. JSBR Paul and the Domingan Sioux, obviously Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. Like, they had those important veterans there, but also they picked the right guys. And that core, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Devin White, Tristan Wirfs, Anton Winfield Jr. Uh, I mean, a little bit Chris Godwin. Um, but like all those guys know, those guys don't know like the Bucks from the down days, you know? Like they don't know that. They don't know any better. Like Mike Evans, like Mike Evans had a lot of losing to put up with. Like he had a put up with a lot of losing and literally three different head coaches. His third different head coach was the one that finally, you know, he was able to get to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl with. So I think he hit the nail right on the head where it's, it's a culture thing, but it's from that homegrown. These guys are growing right together in that locker room and they're building something, you know, they're, they're now, now they're trying to kind of rebuild, not completely rebuild. They're trying to kind of rebuild build because let's face it, you know, this team isn't going to win a Super Bowl this year, but that's not what this year is about. Like this year isn't about hoisting the Lombardi trophy. It's not a failure if you don't do that, but it's about keeping that culture. If you were one and three or oh and four right now, there'd be questions of now that Brady's gone, is this just, is you, are you going to go back to what it was like before him? And it, as it turns out, it's probably not. And, and that's a good sign. Yeah. That core group of players that you talked about, that young core was the major selling point for everybody defending the Bucks headed into this season. You know, Peter King is picking the Bucks to win two games this year. ESPN has the Bucks winning one game this year. Like, there were multiple national media outlets who had the Bucks pegged as the worst team in the NFL, if not the second worst team in the NFL. And everyone who has watched this team for more than a season, for more than just the Tom Brady era, is like, listen, we still got playmakers here. We got playmakers here, playmakers here. And those guys have been producing since the start of the season. I know Vita Vea, even with a pec injury this week, popping up on the injury report, finished with two sacks on the day. Like, you know, there was a lot of good to be said about these young core players that the Buccaneers have. And a lot of these guys entering, you know, the prime of their careers, like Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield Jr., still maybe a couple of years away from, from really hitting their stride and being right in that what would be considered their prime I, I, period. I think they're probably entering it like now. Sure, probably. but like Devin White, for example, this is this is the year for him, right? I mean, not only is he playing for a contract, but he's right at that uh, fourth season. So, you know, this is that period where Fifth. you expect him five, season five, excuse me. This is right at that period where you expect him to start playing the best football he's played in his career. And while today he wasn't a game wrecker, he didn't have to be because everyone else made plays. And uh, this Buccaneers defense, I don't think there's enough that can be said about the mental toughness on both sides of the football. But like Corey said, man, just a, a dominant win from a team that I certainly didn't expect it from at this point in the season. Now, what does that say about me as a fan? I don't know. Say whatever you want to in the live chat, but you know, we try to keep it realistic with you guys. And every now and again, uh, the Buccaneers do a good job of shutting us up. So I'm glad they were able to do that today. Yeah. And it's always, you know, it's 
not an easy road game, man. To go in there on the road on a short week and be a division opponent, it's just it's a really impressive win, and it shows like again, you know, it shows their mental toughness as a team, and you just hope that you know it can hold up for a whole season. It's a long football season, you know. It it, it is. It is a long football season. You're just hoping that you know these performances that you're getting out of Baker Mayfield and that you're, what you're getting out of you know what you got out of Chris Godwin today and what you're getting out of the defense and Anton Winfield and Christian Izzy and like you hope it, it can keep up you'll also shout out to chase mclaughlin who yeah. again made a pretty long field goal 51 yarder like not a gimme like not a gimme by any means hit the net too like it would have been good from a long way so um in a big spot to put him up two scores again so shout out to him made a, yet another big kick it does help that both like in the big big kicks both came indoors <laughs> that, that definitely helps um but yeah it's 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 been it's been good and three and one is three and one and no matter how it is, no matter who what the, who the opponents are, no nobody can take that away from you. You know, three and one and three and one. You're at the top of the NFC South now, alone at the NFC South. You're not tied with anybody because Atlanta also lost, Carolina lost. So I mean, they're zero and four. The Carolina season's done. Like you know, zero and four, you're done. Um, you know, and then like I said, Atlanta's been struggling now, and New Orleans has now dropped two straight. So uh, the Buccaneers are the only team that hasn't, you know, that started off two and zero and hasn't dropped two straight in this division. So uh, it was really nice to bounce back from a tough loss against Philly, uh, where things could have unraveled. And I even talked about that on the preview. Like they lost this game, things could have unraveled quickly uh, for for the Bucks uh, with the upcoming schedule. You got Detroit; it's a tough game. Atlanta, it looking like it won't be as tough, but I mean, it's still a divisional game. You never know. And then Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo had the Buffalo has beat Miami today. You know, they had an impressive win. So they they're looking like one of the top teams in the NFL again. So uh, then and then you know the Houston Texans. Like I talked about, that game is not going to be some gimme. Like that game is not going to be easy. So it's important to build up these wins early on in the season. Uh, so you, maybe if you do falter a little bit, because it is still a young roster, it's still inexperienced. There's going to be injuries. If you falter a little bit, it won't hurt you in the end. So I just think it's really important especially being one and oh in the division now on uh, your first divisional game i think that's massive yeah three and one headed into the bye week is a damn good feeling but three and one with a win over new orleans is the icing on the cake i mean that just makes it that much better so your final stat line by the way for player of the game antoine winfield jr as we wrap up today's show nine tackles a sack two tackle for loss a forced fumble and recovery plus a pass defense Best career game for Antoine Winfield Jr. And listen, I I know people are going I know more people are going to agree with me than you. <laughs> but but I stand firm on my position that uh, through the first four weeks of football, there is not a better safety in the NFL than Antoine it's Winfield a, it's Jr. A, that's a different that's a different statement. That is a different statement. Playing like the best You're safety in caught football up on and being the best safety wrong. in football is two different things. It's different. You're trying to catch me on a technicality because you know you are incorrect either way. No, I I love Anton Winfield. Like I liked him before the draft. Like I thought it was a home run pick, honestly. Like you know, and I I do think I think he's one of the best safeties in the NFL. I'm just not sure. You know, he's he's the best. That's all. It's not like it's you know people. People always go to these extremes, right? If you don't say he's the best, then they automatically think like I just think he's terrible, right? And like, no, it's not the case. Like he's really, really, really good. Like, but there's other really, really good players. So there's no slight on him. If he keeps playing like this, duh, like he'll be the best safety in the NFL. I thought, like I said, today was his best career game. And this already includes a Minnesota game already this season where he was really good too. So it begs the question. 
how much more difficult does this make re-signing Mike Evans? Because there's just there's no way you can let Anton Winfield walk out that door. I mean, you just you can't. Oh, so man. It's, it's a, I, I mean, and that's you know we can maybe discuss that over the bye week. I mean, we we'll have time now. Uh, we'll have a little bit of time to fill because there's going to be like we can talk about this game for only so long before it's like all right, like let's move on to something else. So maybe we can preview the upcoming fancy class in like a shorter pod or something sometime over the bye week. But it could be difficult to keep all these guys. And but I think Anton Winfield has to be. Uh, I. Uh, mm, all right. Am I crazy to think that Anton Winfield should be their top priority in the offseason? No, no. And I okay. think there's other people that 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 agree with you. I, I mean, when you look at Tristan Wirfs doesn't have to get paid for another year. Yeah. Mike Evans. It, Antoine it, if Tristan Wirfs was up, I'd say Wirfs. But. Mike Evans, Antoine Winfield Jr., Baker Mayfield. Rank them. Mm, Antoine Winfield Jr., Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield. And then, like, I mean, we could throw in the Levante David and Devin White in there, too. as like two others. I'd go Winfield. Evans, still Levante David, Devin White, Baker Mayfield, probably. Because, like, the jury's still out on Mayfield. Like, the, the, the jury is, is still out. Like, we don't know exactly what you have. And I don't think you're going to know until you have a full body of work in front of you. So, like, there's still a world where, like, you're, like, at the end of the year, you're like, oh, I don't know about Baker. Like, there is still a world because, like I said, he struggled with consistency in the NFL. So, like, for four games is great, but it's only four games. So, uh, if he can keep playing like this, sure, he'll, he'll you know, absolutely, you, you can bring him back on a contract. But if not, you know, you can move on. So that that's where I would I would probably rank the priorities right now after four games. Yeah, and I think there's plenty of conversations to be had between now and the end of the regular season again, because the situation the Bucks are come late October, late November, you know, that's obviously going to factor into how they decide to build that team moving forward. But Baker looking to stay consistent moving forward as he is obviously playing with a contract, but the Bucks they're going to have their hands full if these guys keep playing the way that they have so far this season, Antoine Winfield Jr. especially. But every week, I, I mean, I, I cannot gush enough over, over this guy right now. He looks like a generational talent at the safety position, and the Bucks are definitely happy to have him. But ladies and gentlemen, Evan did kind of open the can of worms on the Mike Evans conversation, but we're going to shove that can on. Uh, we're going to shove the lid back on that can and we're going to save that conversation for later into the bye week because that's going to do it for this week's post-game episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you to everybody who called in. Jeremy, our buddy Corey, getting me all hyped up, dude. Really appreciate you guys supporting the show. Subscribe if you have not already on YouTube for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content just like this show today. Shout out to everybody in the live chat. Brutal as Buck, Sue Wanish, our buddy Dub, Thump Life Fishing, G Vegas, Willie Beeman, part of the mod squad holding it down. I gotta find Bucks Nation in our uh in our live chat and make him a mod, because I don't know if he's a mod on our channel. I know he is in James' channel. I just don't know if he is on ours. Uh Doodle, Buck Wild, Band Wagoner, and anyone else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate your guys' support as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at three and one get ready for some extra wet uh extra rest excuse me words are hard as they get ready for the bye week um follow the show on social media facebook instagram and twitter all of those are cannon fire podcast best place to go for updates on the show and of course tampa bay buccaneer news as it happens speaking of bucks news as it happens you can follow my co-host evan on instagram at bucks underscore daily the number one buccaneers fan page on instagram you can also find him on twitter at evan nfl and check out his written work at bucksnation.com what have you got in the hopper this week Obviously going to be doing the day after, which is just uh, looking at reactions on Twitter from the Bucks game. 
Obviously, when they lose, it's much more somber, right? Much more like negative reactions. This will be a little bit more positive. So if you want a more positive reaction, uh, stay tuned there. Obviously, there's going to be no Q&A this coming week because there's no game this this coming weekend. So uh, do not expect a Q&A from me uh, or an X Factor, unfortunately, because there's just there's not there's nothing to talk about. But I, I might have an opinion piece or two uh, out over the bye week. We, we will see. Maybe I'll write something about the Buccaneers free agents. Who knows? Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Speaking of which, I think our good buddy Corey just followed me on Instagram, so I will be sure to follow him back as soon as we wrap up this podcast. Thank you again, everybody listening and hanging out with us live today. We will talk to you later on in the week as we get more into depth about this Buccaneers roster and uh, how they can get rested up and ready for the Detroit Lions in week six. The return of the creamsicles. Right around the corner. Next time we see the Bucks, they will be donning that beautiful orange and white. I, for one, am very excited. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you again for everybody hanging out with us today. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.